Hello, and welcome to episode number 136 of the Lions Podcast, the Masters Pod. With me, Brad Allen. With me, I have the one and only Brett Colson, founder and chief and editor and everything over there at thelines.com and at playpicks.com. We're going to run through all of our thoughts here on the Masters and the Masters in November. We know that everything has been really weird in 2020 when it comes to sports, and the Masters is no different. We are uh, looking at an event that normally takes place in April. It is now going to take place in November. We're going to run down what that means. We're going to try and figure out if it means anything, actually, as we go towards handicapping this uh, golf tournament that is likely to have, in my guesstimation, and this is kind of where we'll start, guys, and Brett, I think that this will be the highest handle of any Masters of all time. And my thinking behind it is this. People have money in their sports betting accounts right now because it's NFL season. Some people just load up money into their account and during football, they bet football and then it's over and they just bet football again the next year and then it's over. And we now have this taking place in the middle of football season when people's accounts are, are, are full of money. There's going to be pro there are already promos all during the NFL games last week. It's only going to be get any uh, more hype here over the next couple of days. And then not only that, we have more jurisdictions that are involved in the in-game play as well. These lines get updated after every single round. So there's multiple opportunities to bet this version of the Masters as well. I think when all is said and done, the bookmakers are going to come out and say, not only was this the most heavily bet Masters ever, but it destroyed all the other Masters. Wow, that's strong. I would not have said that so aggressively just because it's up against the NFL on Sunday. I think more people are going to be watching the NFL on Sunday than the masters. It's going to, it's going to be a lot of back and forth switching back and forth between the two, but I don't know. I, I mean, obviously because there are more States in the U S up and running, the handle is going to be up just naturally, but compared to what it would have been in May, I think, I think it it's down compared to what it would be in May because it's run, it's running Against nothing. It's just the Masters in May, April. Brad, what do you think as far as what what do you think as far as handle goes for for this? I mean, am I am I off base thinking that it's actually going to be helped by the NFL? Because I, I just feel like there's more people interested in betting during NFL season than not, and that if anything, that would help uh, the Masters from a betting aspect. Yeah, I think the I think the NFL knew what they're up against here, and I think they deliberately made the Sunday schedule um, weighted towards the 9 p.m. games where the Masters should be over because the the 6 p.m. slate is the lightest it's been all year, and it's full of pretty terrible games. Really, they're you know all, all losing teams, right? Big point spreads. So uh, you know, I, th- I think if it's if it's a tight final round, people will be watching that rather than games, and they can switch over the 9 p.m. So we'll uh, we'll definitely try and get some numbers from the bookmakers and we'll update you guys on that on the podcast here. Whenever this is all said and done, they'll they, they'll send us that info. And so we'll certainly give it to you guys. But let's get things kind of kicked off here as to how you can kind of go about doing this. If you are a new better to golf and I know that there are a lot of people out there. And by the way, welcome to the people in Colorado since, you know, welcome to the people in Tennessee, all these different states that have started since we actually did a last master's podcast. So uh, welcome to all you guys. And if golf betting is new to you, kind of wanted to get down on different ways that you can bet on 
the the Masters and bet on golf just in general. And and Brett, you know, one of the things that people I think get confused about with golf is the fact that they only think that you can bet on the winner of a tournament, you know, the, that you're betting an outright and, you know, there we'll take this tournament, for example, of, you know, over 90 players in this. And so you can only, only one winner out of over 90 people. And you know, the odds are not very good. You can do the math in your head. If you want to try and figure out how, how many, uh, you know, what, what the odds are for one guy to win out of over 90 people. And I understand why people be like, ah, you know, I don't really know about all that, but there are so many different ways to go about tackling a golf tournament that can make one, make it more enjoyable because you're watching different things. You're paying attention to different things and also can help make it more profitable for you as well, because real, real golf betters and real people who grind out a profit in golf. Yeah. They're going to throw some outrights in their portfolio each tournament but mainly they're doing some of these other ways that you can go about it. There's so many ways to bet on this term. It's almost, it's almost overwhelming looking at some of these lobbies, but yeah, I mean, obviously the, you know, the, the outright winner gets the most attention, but top fives, top tens, top twenties, thirties, there's a top 40 market and <laughs> DraftKings right now, which I'm not sure I've, I've seen before, but then, you know, leader after round one, um, you know, miss or make the cut, uh, nationality props. You can bet on if there's going to be a hole in one. There's just so, any way you want to get down on this tournament. And, and the books are going to be offering more markets for the Masters than any other event throughout the year. So, I mean, this is this is really the, the tournament to get down on uh, if you want to bet on golf. So, yeah, it's it, we didn't even talk about matchups, which are probably the most profitable way to get down on golf, right? Yeah, matchups and group betting are are pretty popular as well, and definitely matchups for my aspect. Um, Brad, how do you how do you tackle a tournament when you're going into? And let's just let you know. Let's take the let's just take this tournament. So let's take the Masters. Kind of what percent of your portfolio are you for for this tournament going to put into? You know, of the hundred percent of money that you are betting on this tournament. What percent is going to go towards outrights and then what goes towards the top 10s, 20s, 30s, 40s? And then how much are you allocating for, you know, matchups and group betting? Is that where the bulk of your money lies? Just to give people an idea of how you go about tackling a tournament like this. Yeah, I'll probably end up with more on the matchups just because, you know, they're closer to sort of, you know, minus 110. So you're just naturally going to be betting more on them than the, the 25 to one shot. Um, so it's, you yeah, know, maybe 60, 40, 60 towards the matchups. Um, the other thing worth mentioning, I would say, is keep some powder dry for the in-play stuff because, you know, there, there will be some there will be some numbers out after round two, after round three, after round one. And, you know, you, you, you will like golfers in play as well. And you, you don't want to be, you don't want to have 100% of your bankroll allocated uh, for the off. So, uh, yeah, keep, keep some powder dry. Otherwise, your liabilities could get too big. You wouldn't want to bet in play. No, that's a very that's a very good point when we when we look at this and you know if you are a new better real quick obviously it's self explanatory top five ten twenty thirties and forties if you finish in the top five the top ten the top twenty top thirty top forty that's how those cash matchups are head to head contests they'll be they'll be listed as two different guys and you the they they will have just single round matchups as well. So be careful when you're going to make those those bets because sometimes it could sneak up on you. You think you're making a full tournament bet and you're actually making just a single round bet. But um, it it'll be whoever finishes higher for for the tournament 
is how that head to head goes. Same with groupings. It'll just be more than one person. It could be a group of three, sometimes four, sometimes five, depending on the book and, and how they go about it. And then it's just the, uh, the winner of that group as well as Brett mentioned, make and miss the cut. Very self-explanatory. You make the cut, bet cashes, miss the cut, you lose the bet. And then, um, well, it depends. You can bet, you can bet on the miss as well. And then nationality, same deal. They'll have nationality props, top Spanish golfer, top American golfer, top Canadian golfer, top left-handed golfer, et cetera, et cetera, you know, different things like that. Uh, not that being left-handed is a nationality, but uh, <laughs> they have they have that stuff listed uh, as well. So yeah, there's just literally, um, literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ways that you can go about betting this tournament at, at the various sports book out there. And so now's as good a time really as any, just to kind of let you know where this sits. And we'll talk about our bets just a little bit later after we break down the course. But, you know, if you're looking at the favorites here at the sports books that we, you know, like to kind of go and, and look at these odds where we're going to be talking about DraftKings, BetMGM and FanDuel. Bryson DeChambeau is your favorite at all three books. Bryson DeChambeau is eight to one. Over at DraftKings, he is eight to one. Over at FanDuel, he has moved all the way down to seven and a half to one over at BetMGM. So that lets you know just kind of where the betting public thinks Bryson DeChambeau should be. I mean, this was, I looked at this at BetMGM a couple of days ago. DeChambeau was nine to one. So he has taken a ton of money, moved all the way down to seven and a half to one over there at BetMGM. And then it's a bunch of the, the usual suspects here as far as the odds go. Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Xander Shoffley are going to be the guys that kind of follow in line there as far as the odds go. Dustin Johnson, the next favorite at all three of the books as well. He's coming in about eight and a half, nine to one. And then John Rahm, about 10 to 11 to one, uh, depending on where you get him. And then everyone past that is 13 to one or longer. And then we'll talk about... Uh, We'll talk about these various guys here in just a little bit, but let's talk about the course, guys. 92 players. Uh, I think we're still at 92, unless there's been a withdrawal since we got going here, but it was 94 down to 92. 50 make the cut, 7,475 yards par 72. Bent grass greens are going to be very, very fast. They play small because of all the, the undulations and things like that on these greens. Six par fours that play 450 yards or more. Um, the par, there are four par fives on a typical, you know, like a typical golf course here, and they're all kind of gettable. So those are going to be the scoring holes for this tournament. They actually give up birdies or better about a third of the time. So the par fives are where people are going to be trying to put some numbers up on the scorecard here. And I think the biggest thing, and Brad, I'll start with you on this, um, outside of just the course breakdown, is the fact that there is rain in the forecast on Wednesday and Thursday. And now the temperatures are in the 70s, so it's not really different from a weather standpoint of where we would have been in April anyway. But rain in the forecast for Wednesday, it looks like it is definitely going to rain Wednesday. There's rain in the forecast on Thursday. It looks as if there will be at least sporadic points where there will be rain while they are playing on Thursday as well. Does this change at all for you how you go how you have gone about looking at this tournament from top to bottom and which type of player now you value over another? 
Yes, so Rory McIlroy was talking about the conditions out there in, in his practice rounds this week, and he said there's there's a lot more mud balls, like the ball is just not rolling as far. Obviously, it's a lot wetter just on the fairways. Um, so already we're already for Augusta, we want people driving distance is key, basically. We want people who can hit it far. Um, and it seems to me that this is only going to just push that further that way. Um, if the ball's not rolling, you want people who can carry it through the air. Um, so it, it does push towards the market, I'd say, towards Bryson and, and Dustin and Rahm and McElroy to, towards the big hitters. Um, for the greens, it's they've, they've got that sub-air system, so it should be pretty much business as usual on the greens. So not much change there, but, but more focus on bombers for me. Brett, so, you know, rain in the forecast, uh, you know, the course, we know when, when we take a look at this, if you've watched any Masters, we know the greens are going to be just lightning fast. It's every single year that that greens are are lightning fast. These par four, six of them that are 450 or more. So, you know, there's these it's it's I hate that we get on these podcasts and sometimes, you know, it seems like all we always say, hey, we're looking for a bomber. Hey, we're looking for a bomber. But when you kind of look at what the conditions are going to be, which kind of moves us into, you know, what stats we're looking for here in a golfer at Augusta, you know, first and foremost, I think for me is I'm building my, my various, you know, player pool here and, and looking at different models and things like that is I I'm probably going to be valuing bombers overall again in this tournament. Um, what, what about you? Yeah. Like Brad said, I mean, it's going to be wet and soggy all week. So advantage does go to the bombers who are going to get more out of their ball flights, and yeah, I mean, it, if, if you look at correlated history of like specific stats and finishing position at Augusta, driving distance is the number one metric to look at. And yeah, it might matter even more than ever this year with the weather being cooler than usual and, and you know, air having more resistance. So I, I think if you're building a model, it has to start there. Guys who can hit it far. And uh, yeah, that's that's where that's why Bryson is the favor right now. Um, another thing to note that's different this year, if you're betting matchups and cut lines, the cut line is now top 50 and ties only. It's usually it's yeah. top 50 and anyone within 10 shots of the lead, but because this is being played in November, there won't be as much daylight and they're worried about getting rounds in on the weekend if there are too many players in the course. So not as many players as usual will make the cut this week. Definitely something to, to keep in mind if you want to bet some of these long shots. Uh, that you might sneak into the weekend. So the past winners here, if you are looking to kind of start with something like that, of course, 2019 Tiger Woods, Patrick Reed, 18, Sergio Garcia in 17, Danny Willett in 16, Jordan Spieth in 15, Bubba Watson in 14, Adam Scott in 13, Bubba Watson in 12, Charles Schwartzel in 11, and Phil Mickelson in 2010. Now, Brad, we we all said we want to start with bombers here, but when you run down that list right there, all those guys are not bombers, and, and all of those guys are not guys that put it way out there. Um, so I think that, you know, another thing that I'm going to be looking at here outside of length is is approach, because as we know with these greens, like we said, they are fast. Not only that, they slope, and there are runoff areas on these greens that if you miss – it is very, very penal to you. And unless you have a very, very good short game, 
it is going to be very tough to get up and down in some of these areas. And so you do look down the past winners here and guys in who have historically had some good success aren't necessarily always the longest guys, but guys who are able to at least put it in the spot that they need to put it in. And that is going to be so incredibly important at Augusta National. Yeah, so uh, Tiger Woods led, led the field in strokes gained approach last year. Um, so over the last five years, obviously five players have led the field strokes gained approach. They've come first, first, second, third and first. So uh, as you say, yeah, you, you do want to hit it along off the tee, but you've got to put it in the right place with your irons. Um, and, and one thing on that is, as, as you said, there's there's these runoffs around the green and it's, it's almost better at Augusta. You just want to get it within 15, 12 feet every time rather than stick it to 50 feet. Um, because you know, if you miss, if you go pin seeking and you miss, then you're, you're in a bit of trouble. You need to scramble. So you kind of want your consistent iron players as well. Some of the guys who are, you know, very good in that approach, stroke, uh, strokes gained approach, um, you know, here in the last, let's call it, you know, let's call it like a couple dozen starts here. You know, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Zach Johnson, Bubba Watson. Sung JM actually makes the uh, makes the list on that as well. So some of the guys that, you know, out there that kind of fit that category. Um, Brett, so approach, I think, is going to be incredibly important. That's something that I am weighing fairly heavily as well. Is there any other stat that you are looking at a lot. I mean, I think one of the things that we can all agree on here is looking at putting stats is a bit of a mirage because while there are a handful of guys who everybody considers to be elite putters, really what we've seen is these putting statistics don't really carry over from tournament to tournament or or year to year or whatever. Like we've seen guys have hot streaks with a putter and then go incredibly cold and, and whatever it's, it's, there's a lot of luck in putting as well. And so um, I would just, I would caution people looking at putting stats really other than anything for anything that would actually, you'd want to put money on. I just don't see a reason to do that. Yeah. I rarely weight it in my model. It's just, it's the most volatile statistic. It matters, of course, especially guys who have played at this course before and are familiar with these greens, but you know, with, with it being wet conditions, I I don't think it's as predictive this week, this week versus other years. Uh, As far as uh, like key stats to look at, I mean, first of all, you're looking for an all around player, right? Like rarely do you see a mediocre golfer just show up and play the round of his life and win at Augusta. That's not how it works. This course, you have to be able to hit it far and score, but you also got to be creative and get yourself out of trouble. So around the green and, you know, short game will matter. But I think strokes gain total is, is extremely important to look at to find an all around player who can navigate a challenging course and uh, is about as predictive uh, a metric you can find for a course like Augusta. But um, for me, it's driving distance and strokes gain total approach is obviously important as well. And par five scoring um, with the four with the four par fives that are gettable and you can score on them is going to be important too. Yeah, I think the only other stat that I'm really going to wait is I, I think I am going to rate, rate uh, strokes gain short game as as something that I like pretty heavily here. I mean, like I said, I've, if you've watched this, it can, you are going to have to make some saves if you are going to win 
this tournament. You are going to have to, eventually you are not going to hit it where you want to hit it. It is going to run off the green. It is going to be in a horrible position and you're going to have to be able to get up and down. And, you know, look at some of the winners here in the past, you know, Phil Mickelson, who we know, a wizard kind of around the green. I mean, the 2015 version of Jordan Spieth, maybe not the 2020 version of Jordan Spieth, but the, the 2015 version of Jordan Spieth, that was like, you know, something he is just completely amazing at. So we've seen these guys who, even when they've, they've gotten in bad spots, have been able to minimize the damage. And I think that is certainly something that um, I'll be looking at a lot as well. And uh, before we move on, I do want to talk about one other thing. And, and Brad, this is something that I think a lot of people will you know, be talking about this week. And I got to admit, I, I do take this into account more here than I do just about anywhere else. But how do you feel about course history? Because course history is seems to be something that uh, seems to be something that we're going to be, you know, hearing a lot of as we approach to Thursday, as well as uh, something that at least I probably am going to be valuing. Yeah. So, you know, a, a lot of the sharp golf betters will tell you that course history is not that important week to week. And, you know, you, a lot of people will fade it almost outright because those those golfers with good courses get tend to overbet. But at Augusta, um, statistically, it's the it's the biggest it's the it's the course where course history matters the most. And you know, it's probably because of those greens, probably because of knowing where to hit it with all those runoffs. I mean, Tiger talks about he learns something every year, or even when he won last year, when he was um, you know everyone else winning that creek, and he knew that the wind was blowing like it felt different over the green from where he was standing. So everyone else hit it short. He, he took an extra club and, and hit it on the green. Um, so, you know, there's, there's things like that, which, which perhaps are bigger factors here than anywhere else. So, um, yeah, I definitely have, definitely have looked at course history this week. Brett, thoughts on course history here. I mean, the last first-time winner of the Masters was Fuzzy Zeller in 1979. So, um, you know, guys who have played this just who have come out and just played this for the first time haven't uh, had very much success at all. Um, but there are 17 different guys who have won this tournament multiple times. So it just it's kind of like Brad said. I mean, I don't typically like to weigh course history because I do believe that it's a little bit of an overblown stat, except at the Masters and except at Augusta, where I actually do believe that it's a thing. So here's my take on this in 2020, and you guys can tell me if I'm reading too much into this. It's it's not all course history, it's event history. It's the Masters. Like certainly I would I would prefer to back a player who has seen this course before and played it competitively, but experience is baked into these lines. Like I'm looking at Colin Morikawa here, a 2020 major champion who has played as well as anyone this year. He's 35 to one because he's making his master's debut. Matthew Wolf, a 2020 major runner up. He's got two top fives, I think in, in majors this year. He's 45 to one because he's making his major debut at Augusta. Like you said, no, no rookie has won this tournament since the late seventies, but a lot of that might be because of pressure and with no gallery this year, it's not going to feel like, the Masters usually feels like the tenseness of it could be faded a bit. Like are, are Morikawa and Matthew Wolf going to feel jitters walking up to that first tee on Thursday? Definitely. But I think they're going to calm down. And once they get into a rhythm, they're just playing golf out there. And, you know, 
comments from golfers coming out of the majors this year lends me to believe that the inexperienced guys feel more relaxed in these high pressure situations. And you've got some players here in the mid tier, 30s, 40s, 50s to one that that I feel like are not priced correctly because of the inexperience they have on this course. So that's one thing I'm looking at this year. And you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. No, I, I think that that's a, I think that there's definitely something to that. I, that, that there's not, you know, the, the crowd oohs and ahs and you hear the big roars. And when you know, it's not you that's getting the big roar and maybe that sends, you know, some, some shivers down your spine or, or whatever um, for sure. But I also do believe with the way that this course plays and the way and knowing just the in, the ins and outs and the intricacies all over the place. I, I mean, I just when you continue to look how many multiple time champions we've had and how few first time champions we've had, I think it does speak for itself that having that experience, knowing where the ball needs to go, knowing exactly how these greens play. Um, is just is just something that is the intangible part of this of this tournament that just can't be I, I think discounted. I don't know. And, and Brad, I let's put it this way then. So instead, of, I, I asked you what you think about it. How about this? How much are you weighing it in the golfers that you're considering this week? Like, how much does that matter to you? Um, it's tricky because I, I I agree with both of you. Because I, I, I think watching the USPGA. You know, you like Colin Morikawa when he hit that drive to that basically won it for the Eagle. Hmm. You know that there was there was definitely less pressure. I, I do think that you know it might not he might not have hit that shot if um, there was you know roaring galleries and, and all that kind of thing. And even watching like the World Series this year, like young pitchers just looked much calmer out there. So I, I definitely do agree that there's just less of an atmosphere and, and, and first times are more likely to do well. But that said, I'm also, I'm, I'm looking at a chart here of, of how your scoring around Augusta improves. And it is like a, like a diagonal line up to about 40, 40 rounds. So about 10 points there. Um, so, you know, I, if, if it's a big price, someone like Scotty Scheffler, for example, I thought at 60, that's, that's a lot bigger than his sort of raw, raw skill, his raw talent suggests that he should be, you know, I think he should close to 40 so he'd be someone i'd be willing to take a swing on even though it's his first time around here so let's uh let's take a look then at maybe some guys that we think are are overpriced from from the get-go here and then maybe we can start to narrow down and whittle down who we like and in different ways that we're going to go about this so if we start at the top and I mentioned where the odds sit for a Bryson, a Dustin, John Rom, you know, eight, nine, 10, Thomas is 13, Roy 14, Xander 16, Brooks 17. And this is all at, this is all at DraftKings over at FanDuel. Pretty much the same. But again, we talk about this all the time. This is why you have multiple accounts because you do want to, especially in golf markets, this is where you can definitely get an edge as far as, um, as far as maximizing your money, you know, the difference between Rory McIlroy, if you like him as a winner, DraftKings, he's 14 to one, he's 12 to one at BetMGM. He's 13 to one at FanDuel. So you are getting an extra, you know, you are getting extra money if you bet him over at DraftKings. So this is where you really want to be sure and take advantage of having the multiple accounts. Um, of course, always just go to the lines, click on your state, and it'll show you exactly where 
to get all those. So, Brett, let's start with you. As we go to the top here and, and let's look at the favorites, who, who of these do you feel maybe is a little, that the price is just off, whether that mean it's too short or whether it's too long or whatever it might be. Is there anybody in this kind of top tier? And with the top tier, let me call it uh, the, the 25 to one and shorter uh, odd guys. Rory makes me a little nervous. He was a guy I was looking at initially because I felt like, I mean, he's the fifth guy on the board right now, which is crazy to think, but he hasn't played well this year. And he's, he's talked about like the lack of galleries being tough for him to like get into his groove. Uh, he's not going to have galleries this week. And now with the weather and, and you know, he's with his ball flight, I think that's a disadvantage to Rory this week. So I don't, I don't like Rory a whole lot. Bryson at eight to one is tough to swallow, but you know, again, we, we say this every time, like his range of outcomes is as wide as any player in the tournament, but he could just run away with the thing with his distance. And if he finds his putting stroke that he hasn't found at Augusta in his first three starts, but he also has that blow up potential. And with the cut line shorter this year, I think he has the highest probability of missing the cut versus these other top guys. So, I mean, Bryson, I think, <laughs> I think Bryson's like a top five or outright play and that's it. Uh, I think you can fade him in matchups and even bet him to miss the cut. I think there might be some value there, but those are the two guys that it, it's, it's hard to make a case against any of these guys. And that's what makes right. golf so great right now. Like the talent in the top tier, even the second tier is incredible. Um, it's hard for me to make a case against any of them, but I, I think Rory, I'll have zero exposure to Rory uh, as far as like wins and out in, uh, you know, top fives, top tens. And I probably won't have Bryson either. Uh, Brad, so let's, let's look at you here. Is there anybody in the upper tier, right? Like anyone in the upper tier that either you are definitely fading because you think that, yeah, let's start with the fade. Any, anyone that you're definitely fading because you feel like, man, that price just it, it isn't right on this guy. Right? So I'm going to probably have little to none of that guy. Yeah, I think I think Bryson is too short. Um, so obviously, you know, the distance is huge. But, you know, what he, he was talking about, he's going to have sort of eight or nine irons into from his second shot into the par five. And and that that, that kind of gives you a nice floor, really. Yeah, it's hard to do too much wrong from that. Um, you know, you can have birdie looks most of the time, more eagle looks a lot of the time as well. So, but <laughs> there's also a lot of other shots on this golf course. And his wedge play has been just like field average. Um, and obviously, he's, he's priced at eight to one here in the most elite field you can assemble. And it, it's just too short, in my view, given the questions, A, about his iron play. And B, you know, he's talking this week that he has to re- relearn the course because of he's, he's in completely different spots to the last few times he's played it. So, uh, yeah, he's too short. I think, you know, it's, it's narrative built as well, isn't it? We, we heard how, how he's revolutionized the game, how he's driving it 400 yards. And I think that's kind of built into the price. Um, so the one I'd like and one I have bet is John Rahm, um, who, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of sharp golf betters will tell you he is the best player in the world, um, over the last six months. And he, he fits the course nicely as well. He's got the length. Um, he's, he's second in this field on par five scoring, um, which as, as we said earlier, you, you need to score on the par fives to win this. Um, he's got the lengths. He, he's also got that consistency I talked about with his irons where, Someone like Justin Thomas, he, he might stick it to two foot, but he's also more likely to sort of dump it over the back of the green and have to scramble to, to save his part. Whereas Ram is probably one of the most consistent with his irons. Um, 
And so, yeah, I just thought he should be closer to nine to one than uh, the 11 to one he is now. Yeah. So Bryson, I'll, I'll admit, you know, um, I've got a ticket on Bryson, but I have a ticket from way back. And so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. I'm not necessarily in love with it. It was just a value play for me. Um, he's yet to finish inside the top 20 at this tournament. Uh, he did take a month off to prepare for this because he said that this is how important this was for him. And he was basically just preparing for the masters for a month. We know how crazy this guy can be whenever he decides to get in the lab and decide, you know, that he's going to put a focus on a specific thing. So, um, but that said eight to one in a field this strong with as many good players as there are, it's just the price just isn't there. Like you guys said, I think we might've forget what, wasn't he the co-leader at the end of, of round one last year? I think he was, he was so, up there. Yeah. So I think Bryson was co-leader after round one last year. So guys actually been able to go out and, and, and do well on this course. Um, for me, I think the biggest fade, and this is kind of going along with what you said, Brett, like I'm, I'm also on the fade of Rory and I don't know he has not been able to put four rounds of golf together in a tournament in a very long time. And now that's not to say at a course like Augusta, he might not have to. He could struggle for a day. And if he can have two strong rounds back to back, if this course isn't just scoring left and right because of the conditions out there, then I, st- I definitely think he can still win. It's just one of those things where we have not seen – we have just not seen the Rory McIlroy that we know and love going out there and just, uh, you know, destroying some of these courses sometimes. And I just don't think that the price is, I don't think the price is in line with this version of Rory that we're looking at right now. So I just can't find any way to get any money down on, on Rory. Actually, I'll be getting money down in, on the opposite. I'll be probably going against him in all head to heads that I can. Um, as far as for me, guys, look, it's uh it's the second it's the second guy here and I understand that it's uh almost the chalk but I mean Dustin Johnson right I mean the guy had to take a month off because of the of covid and all he did was come back and and show that he's still one of the better players after after last week then if you look at what he's been doing seven straight finishes of T12 or better in 2020 he has five straight T13s or better at the masters. And so this guy is just, you know, he's built for this course. This is all the stuff that we're talking about. He is good at when we talk about length, he's got it. When we talk about approach, he's got that. The, all the things that we're looking at kind of, well, at least the two most important things for me that we're looking at is where Dustin Johnson is right at the top. And his name is right there with everybody else in the field. And so, um, Dustin Johnson's my guy this week as far as where, you know, one, I'll be taking him in in head-to-heads, two, I'll be taking him in top fives, top tens, and, of course, I'll have an outright on him as well. Um, Brad, I'll start with you on this one. What about the middle tier? What what, what in that, like, kind of second tier of players – kind of starts to excite you and or guys that you think might get some some heavy action and you might look to fade um so just scrolling down the list i, I don't know what, what, where you're stopping this middle tier but one that stood out to me actually was ricky fowler 
Um, so over the last two tournaments, Ricky Fowler has gained the most strokes of, of any player in this field, um, which I don't think many people would have told you the answer to that. Um, and he, I know we're not rating putting too well, but he's, he's by by some numbers, he's got the best putting in the field on these kind of lightning quick greens, these Bermuda right. greens. Um, and then the, the the concern obviously is his form has not really been that good this year. Um, I'm just trying to put up his yeah. I mean, so he, that's that's where he falls off. He's, he's 60th in approach um, and 37th in driving distance. But at 70, 60 to one um, with with that kind of course form, um, I, I thought it might be worth a small play. Yeah, I mean, so Ricky kind of popped in some of the models that I did as well, because as you mentioned, so he had a a second in 2018. He has uh, he's been in the top 11 in each of the last three years at the Masters. And, you know, if I'm going to say that I like guys that that play this course well, that know this course, have a ton of rounds out there and um, Ricky Fowler falls into that. And so I think that was the reason he was kind of popping up for me as well um, in a lot of the models that I was building. Brett, is there anybody in the middle tier that kind of stood out to you as as definitely someone that's going to draw some of your attention? Yeah, I'm with you guys on Fowler. I'll definitely have some action on him uh, this week. I'll have an outright and probably top five, top ten. That, that The price is just baffling to me considering how well he's played this course. Hasn't played all that well in 2020, but this is where like experience will make a difference. A guy who is priced where he is here and had this much success at Augusta. I, I love Ricky this week. Matthew Wolf is my guy, though, at 45 to 1 to win. I just think with his ability to score, his ceiling is as high as anyone in this tier, probably higher than anyone in this tier. And I'm kind of going with the thought that experience won't matter as much with a kid like this, where like he he's already said, like the pressure hasn't mattered as much in these big majors. He hasn't felt it. So I think that's kind of how he's going to go into this one as well. So I love Matthew Wolf to win at 45 to one in this middle tier. Yeah. Middle tier for me is I'm going back. Look, I'm going back to the the same stuff that I've been talking about and, and uh, Bubba Watson. So he is sitting at 33 to one right now at DraftKings. He is, let me find him over at he's all okay. So he's only 28 at MGM. So obviously you want to head over to DraftKings and he is sitting at 30 over at FanDuel. So your best price is going to be at DraftKings 33 to one on Bubba Watson. Look, the guy is in actually really good form. He has gained at least 4.8 strokes T to green in five straight tournaments. And then we know the course history with Bubba Watson here. We also know that if you talk to guys now, there's not very many of them on tour, but there are a lot of guys who say that this course favors left-handers and that this course is really built um, for, to make it challenging to right-handers. And there's so few left-handed golfers that they didn't really take into account and that left-handers have a pretty good amount of success on this course. And we've seen that through the years, right? I mean, we look at these guys that have won this tournament and there's a lot of lefties on the list, including Bubba Watson. And so um, the guy's playing well, he's got length. 
Now, some of the other things you would like a little bit more out of him, but I'll take the course history. I will take the the form, the recent form. I will take the length, and I'll also take the thirty three to one on him to win this thing. And also, probably at that point, uh, probably take a little bit of a nibble of some top tens and uh, top twenty bets with him as well. Really, really, really like what I've seen from Bubba here lately in this course. As we know, uh, seems seems to fit him perfectly as he plays well here a lot. Brett, what do you think of old Bubba Watson? I love Bubba. I mean, he's he's my favorite player on tour. I think I, I I hope he does well. I love to see when he does well. I would I think I'd feel better with him like forty to one or more. But I totally like the the the, the his history here is tremendous. So like, how can you not feel good about anything higher than thirty to one? I guess. Brad, anybody else, um, anybody else kind of in this, this tier before we get to like long shots, you know, that, uh, that we like, is there anybody, is there anybody kind of in this tier? I mean, I guess, you know what we need to do. Let's go ahead and hit it. So let's talk Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods sitting 45 to one at DraftKings. This is the, this is the topic that we need to go ahead and, and hit because there's going to be everybody wondering how to go about this. He's 40 to one over at MGM, and then he is 47. So actually, if you want Tiger, you'd go to FanDuel, where he is sitting 47 to 1. Um, how are you approaching Tiger this week, Brad? Because I, I, when I say that, I assume there's some sort of strategy with Tiger because there tends to be value if you choose to go about fading him. Yeah, he is a tricky one because he's he's not been good this year. Um, but that's... It's- kind of it's been his putting and his scrambling which has let him down his iron play has been pretty good um 11th strokes gain approach last 50 rounds in this field um and obviously as, as we were saying earlier the course form that that knowledge of all the you know the wind currents where, where to go where to miss i do think that's important and the weather the weather was going to be a concern i think uh, you know there, there was that story where he Tiger played in November a few years ago and he had to hit driver three-wood into the first green and into 18 just because it's staying so long. Um, so that would be the concern. But I think the weather's warm enough that, you know, he's not going to struggle with the back. Uh, and I do wonder if he might be decent value in matchup markets um, because, as I say, the putting, although it's been bad, you would think if he's going to putt well anywhere, it's going to be around here where he's played so many, so many times. He's still got the irons, uh, which we spoke about. So I do think kind of plotting his way around, he, he could be a decent value in some matchups. Um, and then just on the other mid-tier player who I quite like to go well would be Tony Finau. Obviously, he was he was right up there last year. Um, so I, I put together some, some rankings based on some of these metrics we're talking about, strokes gain approach, off the tee, uh, strokes gain par five and driving distance. And Finau came out second in that, only behind Dustin Johnson. Um, and then if you look at last five years of course history, I've got Tony Finau with the third best uh, or third best strokes gained average um, over his over his last five tournaments here. So a few a fair few things pointing his way, and obviously he doesn't win, so maybe he's one for a for a top five, a top ten, or another one in the matchups. Brett, how are you approaching Tiger? We're talking about a guy who's won this tournament five times. He's finished in the top 10 nine other times. But, you know, look, there's 
there's course history and then there's also, you know, form coming into a, a tournament and that we that we tend to look at. And he has lost fields to the he has lost strokes to the field in 11 of the last 13 rounds that he's played. I mean, he has been bad. Tiger has not been good in in recent form here, but we know how much he loves this course. We know how well he plays this course. We know how well he knows this course are you looking to go in and maybe make a play on tiger or are you thinking that it's just the opposite no definitely not i never bet tiger and it, like his driver and short game like brad said have been brutal this year and his best finish since the restart was a 37th at the pga that's baked into his price here that said he's taken a bunch of action uh already according to operators we talked to last week and will continue to take bets because he's tiger woods as we get closer to Thursday. So I see this as an opportunity to fade the market as always with Tiger Woods. I got destroyed last year. So I hope <laughs> to make a little bit of You and of me that both. If you remember back. that, my friend, God, you, you and me both. Uh, he, he definitely stuck it to us. <laughs> he definitely stuck it to us last year, but um, I'll be looking to play against Tiger in any matchup that I, that I can most likely, um, any groupings, he would be a fade, any kind of anything like that. If there's any sort of Tiger props, I'll probably be looking to get rid of to, to go on the other side of those as well. I mean, it's just, it's going to be inflated. It's only going to be more inflated as we move closer to, uh, closer to the event on Thursday, because people in the public just loves to bet Tiger Woods. And so, um, it's worked out for me well this year. Now, last year, he destroyed me, but I have faded Tiger every opportunity possible. It's gone well so far this year. I'll continue that streak. And hell, maybe he'll go out and just win the damn thing in 2020 and, and, and destroy my bankroll again. But uh, I'm going to be on the opposite side of him. So I'll start things off here with long shots. And y'all are going to really, really hate this one. But look, it's just. Again, I I have weighted course history here much more than I than I typically do. Typically, it is one of the lesser factors whenever I'm putting together models, whenever I'm putting together things. And instead, I go ahead and I ramp it up for this tournament. And guys, that has led me to a ticket on Jordan Spieth. And I don't love it, but I also don't hate it. He is kind of the ultimate course horse here, right? I'm playing almost nothing more than how well he has played this particular course. And you can get him at 70 to one over at FanDuel and at DraftKings. And you are getting a guy that has obviously won here that has played better than the field scoring average in 20 of the 24 rounds that he has played here. We know that he is a very good short game player, which has helped him in the past as far as being able to navigate these tricky greens and getting up and down when he does miss and things like that. Um, up until last week, well, actually, I mean, the, the front nine of last week in the, the tournament that Houston, like he's actually started to put some things together as well and was playing decently well. And so um, he just has to avoid the blow up holes. And this has been the problem with him over the last couple of years. Jordan can be playing well, 
And then you look up and he, and he cards a seven or an eight on a hole and it just completely derails the round. And, um, that has been, that has been his downfall in a lot of these, but look, 70 to one course history possesses the skills that it takes to win at a course like this, despite the fact that he's been very inconsistent over the last couple of years. But, uh, he's my long shot here. 70 to one, Brad, tell me I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> you're braver than me. You're braver than me. He, he does have the best course history, best course history in the field, and he's you know his driving inaccuracy will be less punished than some places. Um, I mean, we know it's within him somewhere. We know we know he's got golf talent within him somewhere. It's just been missing for two years. Um, so, oh yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't put you off in there. Brett, what do you think about old about old Jordan? I don't hate it. I mean, the, the thing with Spieth at Augusta, like Brett said, he's not going to punish you off the tee with his accuracy like he does at other courses. And he has the history. It's You can't overlook that. He's never finished worse than 21st year. This week specifically, though, where uh, driving distance is going to matter more than usual, I, I'm hesitant. Right. But it, he, he's not terrible as far as distance. I think he's probably top third in this field as far as driving distance. So, I mean, it's... it's Whatever. Good luck. <laughs> Which, who's, who's your Larry then? Who, who's, who's your who's your long shot play? Um, I like Eric Van Royen, a, a guy who hasn't popped off yet on tour, but he has the game to do it. He's ranked 50th in the world and the, the casual golfer has never heard of him. He doesn't have any name value yet here in the States, so he's not going to be bet. You can get a pretty good price on him. He's got solid results in majors, uh, so I do see him being there on the weekend. Can he win? Probably not. But I, I do think this is a, a you know, a, his ceiling is, is a late grouping on Sunday and playing himself inside of a top 10 or a top five. So that's kind of my guy. I like way down the board as a, as a potential like top 10, top five finisher. Brad, who do you have from a long shot perspective? Um, so one was Scotty Scheffler, who, who we touched on a little bit about 60 to one. Um, and then if we go a little bit further down the board, Jason Kokrak popped up a couple of times yes. in some of the stuff I was doing. Um, carries the ball, 13th best carry in the field, um, eighth strokes strokes gained off the tee, um, 12th in driving distance. And obviously he, he's, he's won earlier this year. The irons are solid, uh, 32nd in strokes gained approach. So at, at, well, it depends where you look, but you know, you're getting close to triple digits in some places. He, yeah, you're getting a hundred um, to one. Yeah, you're getting a hundred to one on him over at DraftKings. Yeah, so I mean that that's that's definitely worth a, a small bet in my opinion. But again, um, as we spoke about, I I do think the top of the market. I wouldn't I wouldn't go nuts with the long shots because there's there's so many good players in this field that one of them is going to go nuts, and you know I, I wouldn't be throwing lots of money at these long shots. All right, Brett. So let's uh, let's close things out here with how we have actually bet this, how we expect to continue to bet this up until Thursday, and what guys are you definitely going to have in your account? What guys will you likely have some sort of action on? And then any sort of you know any sort of head to head strategy, any sort of grouping strategy, any sort of other, any of these other different props that you can bet. Um, at, at, the, at the at the books because again guys go in click on 
you know, get your account at DraftKings, get your account at BetMGM and get your account at FanDuel and, and everybody else because they have all these crazy different offerings and you are going to find just a myriad of different ways to bet this tournament. So I didn't mention this, I didn't mention this earlier, but I'm I'm with Brad on Rom. He's my favorite guy to win this tournament. The guy has no leaks in his game. The only questionable part is putting, and you know as we already talked about, putting the most volatile and least predictive metric to look at week to week. So I actually see that as a benefit to Rom here. Back to back top tens at this tournament, he crushes it off the tee. Everything lines up for John Rom here. So that's that's my favorite bet to win the tournament. He will definitely be in my account. I've also got Matthew Wolf win top five, top 10, uh, Eric Van Royen, top 10, top 20. I like Kokrak too. He'll be in my account. Uh, he was a guy I had listed here, uh, but I, I'm, I'm happy Brad is on that one as well. And then, yeah, I, I do plan on taking a look through some of the matchups and tournament groups as they pop up, uh, trying to get some exposure to the guys I just talked about uh, where, where I can in, in groupings and, and head to heads. Brad, what uh, what's in your account already? What will likely end up in your account and any strategy that you have as you head into this from either a matchups perspective, a, you know, make miss the cut, whatever it might be, any of these other ways that you can go about betting the tournament? Yeah, so just starting with the outrights, I think I think if you've got one bet to make this week, I would I would put some money on John Rahm. Um, you know, I think he's going to be there or there about Sunday and he's, uh, he's, he's a proven winner this year. So I've got some John Rahm, a little bit of Tony Finau, top 10, top 20s, um, and then some Scheffler, Fowler, and Koprak on the outrights. Um, now, if we're looking if for some maybe some more fun bets to miss the cut, I thought there was two interesting ones that stood out. You know, I just just flipped my rankings on the head and uh, started looking for the big names down near the bottom. <laughs> there. Two, two stood out. One was Tommy Fleetwood, um, 84th in Shotskin Approach. Uh, 90th strokes gained on the par fives and 39th in uh, strokes gained off the tee. And remember, about 40 of this field are kind of, you know, the CT pans, the Sandy Lyles. So there's only about 50 that even have like a, a 1% chance of winning. So for Fleetwood to be ranked that far down, uh, he's just not playing that good golf, to be honest. Um, so him to miss the cut. And the other one was Molinari. Obviously, I think was perhaps a little bit inflated because of you remember last year where he was battling away with Tiger. But again, 59th strokes gained approach, 71st strokes gained on par five. Um, so I saw a little value in those who missed the cut. Yeah, I, uh, I like that a lot. Actually, the one of the head-to-heads that I have already played is uh, Scheffler over Tommy Fleetwood, actually. So that was one of the ones that is in my account already. I am on a Fleetwood fade as well. He is just not play. He had the one good tournament overseas um, over in your neck of the woods, and then, but he has not played well uh, over here um, this year really at all since the restart. So uh, has not found his footing on American soil, that is for sure. So uh, for me, guys, I, you know, listen, I have, uh, I'm going to have Dustin Johnson. I'm going to have outrights. I'm going to have top tens. I'm going to have top twenties and, uh, be really, really heavy on DJ, which kind of dovetails into the matchups as well, where I already have Dustin Johnson over Rory McIlroy in a head to head. Roy McIlroy will probably be a fade for me, a full fade, depending on, you know, if I, any of the matchups I can find Rory, so long as I like the other guy, even a little bit, it'll probably be a fade for me. I have just don't like the inconsistency that we've seen from Rory and with all of these guys, I mean, he's going to be paired up. Like I said, I already have a ticket 
against Dustin Johnson in my account. He's going to be paired up with guys like that. It's going to be against a Rom, against a Bryson, against a Justin Thomas. Like he's going to be paired against the very best guys in the world. And I think right now, all of those guys are playing better than Roy McElroy. So uh, it could be a complete fade of Rory for me. And so if he's standing at the top at the end of this thing, you will know I had a miserable tournament. There's no doubt uh, about that. Um, I will have, uh, as far as outrights, like I mentioned, I will have Bubba Watson and I will have him at 33 to one. I told y'all while I don't love him necessarily in this tournament, I did catch a Bryson DeChambeau 33 to one ticket back in March. And so, um, I'm feeling pretty good that I have beat, you know, I at least have a, the better number by a long shot here on Bryson to win this thing. So a 33 to one Bryson ticket is already in the account for me. So I do feel really, really good about having that in my account. Um, Some of the other things that I think were that are, you know, listen, I'm not going to say are definitely not free money by any stretch of the imagination, you know, but you can look. And so you get 10 to one on ROM to win the tournament. You can get three to one on ROM to just be the top European player. So at that point, you have eliminated, you know, the Bryson DeChambeau's, the Dustin Johnson's, the Justin Thomas's, uh, the Brooks Kepkas, and everything of the world. And you're really at that point kind of betting John Rom against Rory and maybe Terrell Hatton at that point because some of the some of the guys that were already fading here so yeah i don't hate this at all yeah so my strategy with rom is i am taking him as the top european player where it's like at that point it's almost like betting a head-to-head against rory but you're getting three to one on rom you know because we don't really like fleetwood as it is anyway and we didn't mention any of these other guys and um so, yeah, I mean, maybe Terrell Hatton is the only other guy that's kind of floating out there that could could throw a a wrench in things. But uh, I like me some Rom as the top European player catching three to one on him to be the top European player. So those are in my account uh, right now. I'll be looking at some head to heads. I'm pro- I didn't pull the trigger yet. I will probably pull the trigger on a Bubba Watson, Tony Finau head to head on Watson because you're catching plus money on Bubba against Finau. So um, looking at something like that as well. And unlike Brad, I love Colin Morikawa. If y'all have listened to our podcast, you know, I've won money on Colin Morikawa this year, a lot of money on Colin Morikawa this year, but I'm probably going to be looking to fade him as well. Uh, first time start here. And I actually do think it matters. And so I'll, uh, I'll be fading Colin Morikawa in head to heads, probably at the level that I would, a tiger and a Rory as well to go against those guys. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and, and circle things, uh, circle things up here. And Brett, who is going to, w- let's start off with, actually, let's start off with, with this question. Who, if they win the tournament, are you going to feel the most stupid because you faded them or didn't have any money on them or felt like you should have bet them and just ended up not doing it. Who, if they win the tournament, are you going to feel the most stupid? And then two, who do you think actually wins the tournament? Tiger. Because, <laughs> I mean, I say the same thing every every tournament yeah. the Tiger plays. I think I just am always in a full fade of Tiger. So if he wins, then, yeah, I'm going to look like an idiot, um, as I always do when he does win. I'm picking John Rom to win. 
I think okay. he, I think he gets his first Masters. I like it. I like. It. I mean, the guy is yeah, as we said, just so incredibly talented. Brad, who if they win, are you going to feel like an idiot? And then who who do you think actually wins? I'm gonna feel like an idiot if Rory McIlroy wins because <laughs> again, uh, just researching this, uh, you know, I was asked around a few sharp golf betters and long-term form Rory McIlroy is probably a value at this price, but. I, I like you. Uh, he's been so bad since the restart with the eyes, particularly that I, I'm not going to have any money on him. And if he wins, I'll, I'll be annoyed about that. Um, and I am sticking with with John Ron to win it. I think I think he could arguably favourite and eleven to one is good value in my eyes. So both of the guys you mentioned, I will definitely feel stupid <laughs> if they win. But uh, a third guy for me is uh, Brooks Kepka because I will not have money on Kepka And what does he do? All he does is come out to these friggin' majors and play awesome golf. You know, I mean, like we, we always say like, well, he's not in the best form. It's like you almost throw form out the window with Brooks Kepka because he has openly admitted that he does not care about any of these other tournaments. He only cares about the big tournaments. And he showed signs of life this past week in Houston and, and played well there. And, uh, you know, if he is at, at the end of the day, if, if he is the guy that wins this tournament, I'm going to feel like a complete idiot because Brooks Kepka will have just done what Brooks Kepka does and goes out and play well in the big tournaments. And so uh, that's my guy. And I'm going to take Dustin Johnson. Um, I know we're all kind of boring here. We're taking uh, uh, we're taking really short shots. But I think that this week, this tournament, this field, these conditions it's going to be one of those top guys that ends up taking this down. And so I'll take DJ, you guys on ROM. I think we're feeling pretty good about having tickets on those guys. There's no doubt about it. Um, as always, head over to the lines and check out all of our written previews, play picks as well, written previews up and down in several different ways that you can go about betting the Masters. Uh, we'll have a video up on the YouTube channel as well. So be sure and check that out. And then also, be sure and go in and wherever you are located. We talked about the discrepancy guys in the odds. We talked about the discrepancy in the matchups that are offered. We talked about the discrepancy in the price that you're getting, um, you know, on yes, no's and things like that. So be sure and have at least a couple of different accounts because it's the only way that you're going to maximize your profits betting these things. So uh, just click on your state over on the lines and we'll get you the very best deal that you can get out there for sure. For Brad, for Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys on Friday.